Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 55. These are ancient words spoken to an ancient people in an ancient time, but I would invite us to hear them today as a fresh word of God for us. Hear the word of the Lord. All of you who are thirsty, anybody thirsty this morning? All of you who are thirsty, come to the water. Whoever has no money, come, buy food and eat. Without money, at no cost, buy wine and milk. Why spend money for what isn't food and your earnings for what doesn't satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Enjoy the richest of feasts. Listen and come to me. Listen and you will live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful loyalty to David. Look, I made him a witness to the peoples, a prince and commander of peoples. Look, you will call a nation you don't know. A nation you don't know will run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel who has glorified you. Seek the Lord when he can still be found. Call him while he is yet near. Let the wicked abandon their schemes and the sinful their schemes. Let them return to the Lord so that he may have mercy on them, to our God, because he is generous with forgiveness. My plans aren't your plans, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my plans than your plans. Just as the rain and snow come down from the sky and, 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 don't, and don't, don't return there without watering the earth, making it conceive and yield plants and providing seed to the sower and food to the eater, so is my word that comes from my mouth. It does not return to me empty. Instead, it does what I want and accomplishes what I intend. Yes, You will go out with celebration. You will be brought back in peace. Even the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. In place of the thorn, the cypress will grow. In place of the nettle, the myrtle will grow. This will attest to the Lord's stature, an enduring reminder that won't be removed. This is the word of God for the people of God. And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each and every heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today we begin, as you've heard, a 40-day season of emphasis on prayer. We'll be doing this in a variety of ways. Today begins the first of six sermons on different aspects of prayer Hopefully, as you arrive today, you were given one of these great journals that we have produced ourselves through a team here at church, Thresholds, 40 Days of Prayer. If you did not receive one, that's a great thing. That means we have way more people today than we had planned on. Uh, And we are currently copying them. At the end of the service, they will literally be hot off the press. So I hope you'll get it then. Inside, you will see there is an opportunity every day to be led in prayer. 
At the back of that booklet, there are a number of suggestions for how to grow in prayer, including five workshops we'll be having over the next 40 days. Many opportunities to learn what prayer is and how to pray. Now you'll notice that we're calling this 40-day season thresholds. A threshold is that line, that bar that is directly beneath a door, often made of metal or wood or, or marble. It draws a line between one space and another. And just as rooms have different purposes, often when we step across a threshold, we are entering into a different space for a different purpose. When I get up in the morning and I step out of my beth bedroom, I cross a threshold, meaning I'm no longer sleeping, whether I want to be or not. When I step into the kitchen, that usually has a particular purpose. When I step across the threshold into the restroom, that often has a particular purpose. When I step into my office, crossing that threshold, I'm here to do the Lord's work. This morning, as we crossed the threshold to enter this room, we did so to gather with community, to enter into God's presence, to worship the Lord. Crossing thresholds is an indicator that we are entering into a different space, time, place for a particular purpose. I think that's a good image for prayer. No matter how you pray, that prayer is that moment that we step into the presence of God. This moment, this time, this place, O oh Lord, is for you and for you alone. Now, if we're gonna spend 40 days talking about prayer, I think it would be proper to begin by defining what prayer is and its purpose. I would argue that the sole purpose of prayer is to know God. It's as simple as that. The sole purpose of prayer is to know God. Now, there might be other reasons we have to pray. There might be other benefits to prayer. We'll be talking about those. But I would argue all of them are for the purpose of knowing God. Now, think about that word to know, K-N-O-W, know. We, we, we mean it, use it rather, in, in two different ways. In one way, we mean to know information. We're talking about our intellect. Uh, the, the information that we've gathered through study or through watching the news or through conversation, things that we intellectually understand, comprehend, and remember. There's a place for that, of course. We, we read the Bible so we know it. We take classes, even here at church, so we know more about God. But that's not the knowledge I'm talking about with prayer. I'm talking about the second way we use the word know. When we say that we know someone, it's a relational knowledge. We know certain people and we have a relationship with them. Now often there's obviously uh, varying degrees of, of knowing people. You and I might be walking down the street and I might be able to point to you and say, look, that's so-and-so. I've seen them on the news, or I've seen their picture up at the post office, or I, I, I know them from the movies. That doesn't mean that I know them or they know me. That's just an awareness of who someone is. 
Sometimes we might know someone just because we recognize them. You look across the room and their face looks familiar. That doesn't mean you know their name or know much about them. I'm not talking about that either. Lots of people in our lives are are really little more than acquaintances. We've worked with them, we go to church with them, they're our neighbors, but, but we haven't taken the time to build a relationship with them. Really, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of knowing that is familiar, that grows over time, that is intimate and direct and personal, the kind of relationship you might have with your spouse or your parent, or your child, or your closest friend, or your sibling. This is the kind of knowing that I believe is the purpose of prayer, to know God in a deeply personal way. Think of that for a moment. We believe in, we gather to worship, we serve and pray to a knowable God. A God who desires relationship with us. A God who wants to be available for us to know him as a friend, as a spouse, as a master, as a Lord. As I was praying for today's message, which I do every week, I I pray before I start writing the message. And once it's done, I lay it before God and say, God, whatever you want to do with it now, it's all yours. I sense that I heard God say, don't forget to tell them that I love them. This is the God that we worship and pray to, a God of love. That's not an abstract theological concept. That's a relational term, a God that wants to know and be known by you. Isaiah 55.3 says, listen and come to me. Listen and you will live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Covenant is a relationship. We refer to marriage as a covenant. I, God says, will make a covenant with you. And so if the, prayer, the, the purpose of prayer is to know God relationally, well, every relationship requires communication. We call this particular kind of communication with God prayer. But in many ways, it's not that different than the way we communicate with one another. Obviously, there are differences, but there are principles that we can apply to both. Think about your relationships. I suspect you would agree with me that your deepest, most personal, most intimate relationships are the ones with which you have the best communication. The stronger the communication, the stronger the relationship, and conversely, the weaker the communication, the weaker the relationship. How many relationships have suffered? Marriages, friendships, business partnerships because of a failure to communicate. Now, I was a communication major in college, and I'm about to teach you everything I learned in four years. I hope you're ready. You might want to write this down. We were taught that interpersonal communication had four parts. Here they are. When I'm in communication with another person, conversation rather, I talk, they listen, Then they talk, and then I listen. And we repeat that over and over and over. Did you get it? Right? That's good because most of us are pretty lousy at it. Isn't that the truth? 
What a simple process to communicate with another person. But the truth is, this simple process breaks down all the time. How often have you been talking to someone and been misunderstood? How many times has someone been talking to you and you discover that you're distractive, you hadn't been listening at all? How often do we find that we've been talking past each other or at each other, not hearing at all what the other person said? How often have you responded to someone saying, I didn't say that, husbands. (laughs) I never said that. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. How often is our, our prayer life like that? We, we, we mumble something to God, and thankfully, God hears it, but do we really know for sure? Have you ever prayed a prayer and wondered, is anybody even listening? Is anyone even out there? And how often, if we're going to be honest, do we wait to hear what God might have to say to us? The same process of communication is true in our prayer life. We can talk knowing that God is attentive and listening. Scripture affirms it over and over, that when we call out to God, God hears us. God's never too far away. God's never too preoccupied. God never turns his back. He always has an ear inclined to each and every one of us. And likewise, Scripture says, God speaks. If we'll listen, We can hear what God has to say uniquely, specifically to each one of us. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know the sound of my voice. But obviously, listening to God is not easy. One of my favorite authors is Walter Wangren, who wrote one of my favorite books on prayer called Whole Prayer, in which he writes, however inarticulate, however ignorant or misdirected our prayer may be, It is the listening of the Lord God that makes our mumble a prayer. Whether you see it or not, whether you hear it or not, God listens. What you utter, God hears. What God hears becomes through grace and compassion a prayer. But for prayer to be whole, it requires four steps. That we pray to God, we speak to God, knowing that God listens, and then God speaks and we listen to what God has to say to us. If I'm going to be honest, I suspect most of our prayers more resemble that practice we learned as children. Every December, I would write a rather lengthy letter to Santa Claus. And my letter would have basically two parts. It would begin with establishing what a a very good boy I had been since last Christmas because after all, Santa has a naughty and nice list. And then based on my established goodness, Santa, here are the things that I would like for you to bring me on Christmas morning. I'd sign the letter, stick it in an envelope, address it to the North Pole, which I had no idea where that really was, think about it, and then wait till Christmas morning to see whether Santa agreed with my goodness, claims of goodness, and whether, God, whether Santa would bring me what I had asked for. How many of our prayers are like that? Occasional, bargaining, full of requests, sent off to some distant place, to somebody that we really don't know. I had met the, 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 the mall Santa, but I, I've never met the real Santa. 
waiting to see if maybe Santa will be good enough. God will be good enough to give us what we ask for. Prayer isn't just about sending a list to Santa of what we want. Prayer is about knowing God personally through communication with God. Isaiah 55, 6, seek the Lord while I may be found. Call on him while he is near. Hear these words again from verses 8 through 11 and notice what God says about what we might learn from him. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I hear in this passage an invitation to prayer. Seek me. Pursue me. Know me. Be in relationship with me. Call on me and you will discover that my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. An invitation to be stretched beyond our limited capacity for comprehension. To seek God. Find God and gain deeper knowledge and insight into the very heart of God. And then to hear God's response, for my word goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. What is prayer? Prayer is seeking a relationship with a God who wants to be known by you. Prayer is speaking to the very creator and sustainer of the universe in whom we live and move and have our being, Paul says. Prayer is listening for a particular, specific, intimate, life-giving word just for you. Mother Teresa once said, prayer makes your heart bigger until it is capable of containing the gift of God himself. Let me just share for a moment about my prayer life. I pray nearly every morning. Now, that's the vast majority of the time. I'll admit there's times when I travel or have an early meeting that, that it might get bumped to later in the day. But nearly every day, I begin my morning with prayer. It's the first thing I do when I get out of bed. Not entirely true. I, I usually have to get a cup of coffee first or my prayer wouldn't mean a whole lot. Coffee can be quite spiritual. I take a moment to focus on God, to arrive in my prayer space. Then I pray for you. Some of you already know that over the course of the year, I pray for about 20 families every week by name. I send out a letter ahead of time so that if there is something specific you would like prayed for, I will. I'll pray for you during that week. It's an honor and privilege to do that. Each week, I, I pray for you. I pray for our church. I pray for other things that are on my heart. Then I spend some time in scripture. I use a book called Sacred Space that leads me through the gospels in particular, along with some reflection questions that I spend some time meditating on. I often spend a few minutes also reading from a spiritual book. Right now I'm reading a book that our own Fabian Lazart recommended to me. It's a beautiful book. 
And then if I have time, I often will journal. I keep a prayer journal in which I'll write any insights I've gained during our, my time of prayer. I might write a prayer itself, or I might write specifically something I believe I've heard from the Lord. I strive to do this every day. You might think, well, of course you do. You're a pastor. Pastors are supposed to pray. That's not why I do it. I do it because I want to know God. And even as your pastor, among all my duties, I believe the most important thing I can bring to you is that relationship. So I would encourage you, if you don't already have a daily time of prayer, to find one, to create one. It it may be a few moments, it might be longer. It depends, of course, upon your schedule, your workload, your family demands. I don't know what that is, but I would encourage you, every day, step across the threshold into the presence of God knowing that he's waiting there, longing to know and be known by you. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this that we're calling this a 40-day season of prayer. Have you ever heard the number 40 in church before? It's It's a deeply biblical number. You may remember the story of Noah and the flood, that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but there came a point where the water receded and they stepped across the threshold onto a new creation. God had done something in those 40 days. You may remember that the Israelite slaves wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That wasn't just a wandering, it was a preparation before they stepped into the the promised land, crossing a threshold, if you will, from being slaves to now being God's chosen people. You may recall that, that Jesus wandered out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights being tempted praying and fasting before he crossed the threshold into his public ministry. In each case, 40 days, 40 years is a time of spiritual growth, deepening preparation for something new. Some of you may be familiar with 12-step programs like Alcoholics Anonymous. They believe that 30 days of sobriety might actually lead to a new habit. You actually get a chip as a reward at the end of your first 30 days. I would argue, let's go 10 more days, 40 days. Begin a habit of prayer if you don't have one already. Use the journal we've given you to take a moment to pray every day and you may find what seems strange and foreign and mysterious and confusing to you now becomes quite natural. We've provided the resources. What will you do with them? Remember God said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Friends, he is near. I invite you into a season of prayer with him.